Ben and I run into my longtime neighbor, Jackie, who lives two doors down from my mom. He's a little over five feet with horribly crooked teeth and roomy eyes. We all grew up playing with him in St. Rita's schoolyard. Dodgeball, boxball, stickball. Early on, we didn't quite grasp he was 30 years older than us, yet still had the mind and spirit of a child. He has gray hair now and still lives with his mom, though we all worry what will happen when she exits. We each serve humanity in our own way, and I drive Jackie and our mothers to the cemetery on Long Island annually to visit the graves of Jackie's dad and my sister. I've been doing it since my discharge. The women sit in the back, and Jackie straps in up front with me talking baseball. He's both more insightful and more civil than the loudmouths on talk radio. Now Jackie does what he always does. He hugs both of us and offers his standard greeting. I love you, Mike. I love you, Benji. He also tells me the Mets are going to the World Series next year. What I don't know is that Jackie's right. I never finished the final paper for that Understanding Grief seminar because I was in Evansville, so NYU officially notified me of academic probation. Because I'd been granted a break from full-time status, the FAA was also notified and my grant eliminated. Days later, my union rep told me a missed shift due to a delayed flight from Indiana generated an official warning letter, the first in my career. Then in January, I was assigned, against my will, to working ground control. Even invoking the oldest joke in the business, they're called airplanes, not ground planes, didn't help. One day I was contemplating a legal invoice and somehow didn't notice two 737s, United and American, almost bump wingtips on taxiway Foxtrot. The new tower allows us a view of every inch of the runways and taxiways, so no excuses. Photos of would-be airport fender benders usually make USA Today. But thankfully, social media and dying old-school media were asleep. Even so, I finally received that inevitable work suspension one week without pay. Also, a first in my career. I used the time to fly to Evansville. Meanwhile, various credit agencies are threatening me with collection methods just short of violence. Despite my NYU probation, I continually apply for student loans and use these payments to fund my ravenous attorneys. I don't know this is an incredibly stupid way to pay bills, because student loans, unlike gambling debts, can't be discharged through bankruptcy and, like murder and treason, have no statute of limitations, which I'll soon learn. Ben developed a cold, either in Evansville or Queens, or perhaps in the filthy rarefied air of that 737. I'm killing 14 minutes waiting for his prescription at a pharmacy near LaGuardia, gazing through magazines. I gravitate toward transportation, but the aviation mags are old. I find myself in front of family. Well, I've got family, no? Parents is in front, and the largest headline screams, What Moms Need to Know Now. I thumb through The Mom's Guide to Fall Fun. Another, Moms Share Toddler Secrets. 
I backtrack to the contents. Essay. Nothing beats a mother's love. Mommy 101. Class is in session. Involuntarily, Judge Westfall comes to mind. I hide parents behind hockey news. Then I pick up parenting and sigh. Moms dish on best and worst pediatricians. The Mom Channel. What should kids watch? Mothers and other... This one I hide behind Monster Truck Review. It's Thursday afternoon, so I'm taking the long break in Lovey, my battered old Taurus wagon. The check engine light continues glowing. I've driven to the far end of LaGuardia and parked near the Marine Air Terminal, an Art Deco structure overlooking my old Little League field, home of countless childhood traumas. For months now, once a week, she and I have dialed an 888 number and spoken for 45 minutes each time with Jessica Goldstein, a mediator certified through a state community dispute resolution center. Jessica methodically talks with us, then her partner, the attorney, converts the notes into legalese. The goal is to develop a legally binding divorce and custody agreement without incurring the expense and rancor of lawyers. We've discussed health benefits, Jewish and Christian faiths, visits to grandparents, summer vacation, preschool, Christmas Hanukkah, vaccinations, Easter Passover, haircuts, potty training. Recently, we discussed Halloween for 20 minutes. I'd take Ben trick-or-treating early, and she'd take him later. She insisted on separate costumes. I cautiously started believing relations are improving. Even Jessica suggested a full-fledged joint custody agreement seemed imminent. Normalcy. Of course, the premise is she and Ben will live with her parents in Queens. So sharing dinners and holidays and vacations won't pose logistical challenges. But several weeks back, she casually told Jessica, and me, the job market had dried up here and she's looking elsewhere. It hit me hard, and I questioned how someone with a PhD couldn't land a job in New York. Now Jessica questions the same thing. I think we've made real strides here, guys, but some basic presumptions. All our work, visitation, school, holidays, all of it, it's based on living in the same city. Presumably New York, yes? The federal government assigned me to Flushing, I put in. Right, Michael's locked in, so we're agreed on New York then, right? Already I can tell this conversation will change my life. Not in a good way. I stare at the Little League field, then Rikers Island. Finally she speaks, and she seems annoyed at Jessica. I told you, I have to go where I can secure a decent job, and Benjamin needs to be with his mother. If I found a job here, I'd take it, but we've looked and there are none, so we have started looking elsewhere. We? Jessica coughs. Like where? Other locations. New Jersey? Well, I've been given an offer in Israel. It's one of those moments in life when you realize the bad thing is happening, and you've been waiting, and yet you're still not prepared. Israel? Among the many, many thoughts crowding my brain is that no court in New York State would ever allow this. My capacity to be shocked never ends. I'm speechless. Jessica sounds even more flustered, but 
I, I mean, wait, we've been speaking for months now. You, me, Michael, in good faith about mediating. You both said you wanted to avoid a trial for your son's sake. We've come so far. Kim's already... She's drawing up final papers. Just a few minor things. Halloween, Thanksgiving. It's entirely based on living here. She's not backing down. I have to go where there's work. I'm a bit confused, I interject. Are you saying you're looking to go overseas, but Benji stays with me? Absolutely not she responds. A child needs his mother. I have a bond with Benjamin you'll never have. It's the natural order. I'm speechless again. Jessica cuts her off and says, we'll continue next week. I finish my shift and email my attorney. In the subject line, I use all caps. Israel! Hillary tells me to come in first thing tomorrow. All those months of mediation, was she deliberately misleading us? Again and again, I attempt to decipher her thinking, and each time I fail. I simply don't know her. That first afternoon home from Lenox Hill, with me stretched out on top of the comforter in bed for hours, Ben puckering his lips like a fish as he surveyed his new home, suddenly it hits me. Why was she in the other room that wondrous day? And so, mediation is over. Now it's back to litigation, and joint custody is dead as well. Now I'll seek being the custodial parent. In other words, my fate and my son's fate will once again be in the hand of strangers. But I remain optimistic, believing that the parent who puts Ben's needs first will be heard. It's only right. It's Monday evening, and I finally located the address for Fathers Are Critical too. Only, it's a dimly lit bar hiding under the elevated 7 train in Jackson Heights. I parallel park the wagon, stick the meter receipt on the dashboard, and behold the dingy front door. Fact meeting tonight. 1930 hours. Men only. The bartender points toward the restrooms, and I work my way back. Hammered into the wall is a small plaque. Any man can be a father, but it takes someone special to be a daddy. I involuntarily smile. Katie gave me the same plaque last year. It's early, but as I step into the brightly lit room, I see most of the wooden folding chairs are occupied. About 15 men are present in the semicircle. Up front, someone hung a sheet emblazoned with the words, Save the Men. The alpha dog sits beneath it in a discolored, pleated armchair. His slicked hair is parted in the center, and he sports a mustache that faded from popularity soon after the Rough Riders returned from Cuba. He wears a sleeveless sweatshirt, exposing an impressive set of guns, as well as letters on the front I can't quite read. I don't belong here. I just know it. This is pure instinct on my part, like at work when I instantly seek out a specific flight because something tells me it's deviating off course. This doesn't feel right, and I'm wary. I select the chair furthest away from the crowd. The pre-meeting chatter ceases, 
We're all waiting on Alpha Dog, who presses fingers to temples. Finally, our leader retrieves oversized eyeglasses Elton John would have rejected as too ostentatious during the Philadelphia Freedom Tour. Now he stands. Gentlemen, welcome. There are dozens of muted greetings. I see we've a new member this evening. Oddly, his head has swiveled away from me, so I glance to his left as well. But then those Dr. T.J. Eckelberg glasses quickly pivot to me. I nod. Evening. Our leader speaks. My name is Owen. Only Owen. In this room, we dispense with last names. Please introduce yourself. Sure, uh, I respond. I'm uh, Jim. Uh, well, call me Jimmy. Again, it's instinct. I remain on guard. If this man is capable of time-traveling to a 1978 Pearl Vision store, who knows what other dock powers he possesses? Greetings are thrown my way, and I smile tightly. Welcome, Jimmy. Is that uh, Jimmy with, with an eye? I stare. Jimmy has an eye. No, uh, instead of a Y. Jim, me, am I. Anyway, you're a father among men tonight. Two things bind us. We're all men and all fathers. Everyone nods. Owen isn't done, and I should warn you, you're free to act as a man in here. Not like out there. In here, you can scratch your balls. If they itch, scratch away. If you want to burp, burp. If you want to fart, he lifts his foot clear off the ground and lets one rip, right in the contralto to counter tenor range. Fart! Is that clear? Uh, yeah, I say, but I'm good. Fair enough. First things first. I'm a father. Three kids I haven't seen in five years, thanks to a judge, whose name won't pass my lips. All these men, they have similar testimonies. Briefly, if you will, Jimmy, what's your testimony? I shift in the chair and cough two of the world's oldest delay tactics. Well, I'm getting divorced. This draws a snort from my left. Ain't we all, brother? Yeah, yeah uh, I have one son. He's three. And, well, I've spent some time in court. And, like it said, on the fact side, uh, about how the deck seems stacked. That's how it feels. It feels like the deck is stacked. I mean, my wife, uh, my ex-wife, she keeps trying to cut me out, take him away. And the courts, it, it just seems stacked against me. I'm trying to remain optimistic. I mean, this is America. It just, at times, it doesn't seem fair. There's a low buzz. Apparently, I struck a nerve. I see nodding. Owen seems pleased as well. Welcome, brother. I can tell you're one of us. You're a dying breed, my friend. I'm forced to play it straight. What's that? You're a man. An endangered species now. Yep. The world is killing us off. Forget the polar bears. Men will be extinct before ice caps melt. Real men, not pussies. Fuck the pussies. 
Someone yells. Fuck him! Shouts a grandfatherly guy. Owen purrs. The courts. Congress. Who knows? The White House. There are more shouts, some of them quite guttural and not at all human. They want our balls, gentlemen. What say ye? Forget your guns. Shall you surrender your balls? No! You know, fuck! No! Gentlemen, Owen continues, need I remind you, the NYPD wants to change regulations in place for over a century. So now there'll be two physicals, one for men and one for cunts. There's a loud rebuttal, but no negative response to that vile word. Shit, my instincts were right. They want to let them all on the job, a white-haired guy yells, even if they're five foot nothing and 92 pounds. But they still get sick pay that special time of the month. Laughter erupts. Firemen, too. You know, same at the post office. Owen's just warming up. They don't want kids to have dads in their lives, especially boys. They don't want them learning how to throw a ball. They should throw like girls or learn how to fight. Boys shouldn't fight. They should reason. You know, reason with bullies. You know, like we did with Hitler and Tojo. The Enola Gay, it dropped a whole lot of reasoning on the emperor, eh? You know, they don't want boys growing up around men. I'm looking at his Stephen Crane mustache, which oddly remains in place. Then Owen moves, and I finally see what's emblazoned on his chest. I haven't had a bitch until I've had her three ways. Jimmy, come up here. Share. You're with brothers. Tell us about the women destroying you, tearing you down. We'll listen. I find myself standing, but I don't walk up front. Instead, I ask, what's the deal on Roosevelt? Do they ticket at the meters? The white-haired guy nods vigorously. Yep, Denver boot. Uh-huh. I, I move. I just got to feed the meter. I'll be back. The bartender doesn't even look up as I rush past, keys in hand. I'm at the wagon in seconds, and I turn the ignition before the door closes. The tires squeal as I pull away. On the sofa at Kevin's place, I'm watching Louis C.K. What I don't know is that within a few years, I won't be able to watch him without contemplating sexual allegations. My phone rings, and I see it's Katie, and I smile. Last week, I spent 90 minutes telling a social worker why Katie and Chris would make the best parents in all five boroughs. I also submitted an online essay in their defense. What are you doing? She asks. I laugh. I'm painting my toenails with little cotton balls between them. My hair's in curlers. And I'm watching Sex in the City with my two boyfriends, Ben and Jerry. Katie sighs. Jesus, never a dull moment with you. Now what? Nothing. Just screwing around. What's happening? She breathes deep. Well, you ready to be an uncle again? Some friends just don't get it. I meet my old buddy Kenny from Archbishop McCarthy High 
at White Castle. Like millions of other novice drinkers, we always wound up there for belly bombers at 4 a.m. For years, we shot baskets near Bell Boulevard, then went for sliders. As we both put on weight, we skipped the basketball and started meeting directly at the castle. We both order a number one, mine without cheese, and he asks if I'm kosher. He's Irish Catholic, but an accountant, so he knows from mixing meat and dairy. We sit in a back booth as I politely ask about his job, girlfriend, even the monster SUV parked diagonally. Finally, I give him all five acts of my tragedy. He nods, seemingly sympathetic. Then he says, I don't get it. I ask, what? And he says, your kid going to Israel. I explain, he's my son. And he says, but you can visit him. I explain, it's across the globe. And he repeats, but you can still visit. Finally, I stop responding. I know here, now, there'll be no more basketball, no more belly bombers, no more Kenny. Some friends just don't get it. I loved close encounters of the third kind as a kid. For months, I made mountains out of mashed potatoes. Now, I'm up late with Kevin, watching it again. Only this time I think, what the hell? Richard Dreyfus just gets on that ship and leaves behind three kids? Leaving a spouse, sure, shit happens. But leaving your kids? Talk about science fiction. I'm roaming Stop and Shop, searching for an end-of-the-aisle pyramid of peanut butter. Ben will be with me for the weekend. Choosy moms choose Jif. My phone buzzes and I check it. Restricted. Curiosity wins. Mr. Mullen? That's right. There's a pause. This is Jessica Goldstein. Hey there. I assume she's rescheduling a mediation session. Yet her tone sounds downright funereal. Mr. Mullen... I shouldn't call you. I mean, I can lose my certification. I want you to understand what this means by contacting you directly. It does strike me as extraordinary. For months now, she's restated her policy of never speaking to either party unless we're both present. She always makes a show of hanging up first on our calls, and every email CCs us both. If shopping carts had emergency flashers, I'd switch them on beside the cereals. I do understand. Kid tested, mother approved. She sighs. My partner and I've had a strong disagreement. She doesn't know I'm calling you. Kim knows the legalities, but I know the people here. Yes, you do. We've handled 104 cases now, and, well, 103 were settled without litigation. Our track record is perfect. Well, was perfect. Everyone settled through mediation. I know. Jessica pauses. This business about your ex-wife, 
only finding work in Israel? Yes, I moved toward Derry. If I were you, I'd hire a lawyer. Quickly. Hey, moms, don't forget the power of cheese. I already have a lawyer. Good. I wouldn't waste time. It sounds like she's planning to flee the country. Flee? The word hits me. Leave? Depart? But flee? With Ben? I'm stunned near the pharmacy. Recommended by Dr. Mom. Did she tell you something? I mean, did she say she was... I've already said way too much. I'm seriously jeopardizing my certification here. I like practicing in New York State. I really don't want to move. Okay. You can't ever tell anyone I contacted you. Do you understand? It's important you understand. I do understand. Seconds pass in silence near movie rentals. Join real moms. Michael, I think you're a decent man. What always struck me is your attitude. For ten months now, you've always stressed what's good for your son. And your ex-wife, well, she only talks about her career. Or maybe it's her libido. Hmm? I hope you have a good lawyer. Good luck. Thanks. I'm about to ask what's next, but the line goes dead. My question is answered on Monday when I receive a certified letter signed by Jessica and her partner notifying me mediation is terminated. The CC indicates an identical copy was sent to her. It's late afternoon. Ben didn't have his nap. As soon as I said we're leaving the park, he melted down and cried. But I'm not concerned, because once he's strapped into his car seat, he'll be out. Sometimes I even drive around at night just to lull him to sleep. I'm holding him in one arm and pushing his little tyke's car with the other, when an older woman suddenly jumps in our path. She circles me and stares into Ben's face. Honey, you okay? I decided to let this play out. Do you know this man? She asks. Where's your mommy? Ben stops crying and clings tighter to me. Actions, I'm guessing, don't indicate I'm a marauder. But she continues. Is this man hurting you, honey? Do you know him? Ben gives a what-the-fuck expression. I pat his back, and he mutters, Daddy, I'm tired. Now I pivot to see her clearly as Ben clings harder. Are we just about done? She shrugs. Predators stalk children in parks. Parents take children to parks. Now I regroup, breathing deeply. So you also accost women carrying crying children? The sneer reappears. Statistically, most predators are overwhelmingly male. I turn away as she babbles.
I'm convinced my brother and roommate is tired of experiencing my never-ending woes. But I'm wrong. This afternoon, Kevin calls me to his desk where he's bathed in late sunlight. I need to see something, he says, opening a file on his large screen desktop. It's a stranger's face, a middle-aged man, bald, glasses. Who's this? Kevin shrugs. Casper. He clicks to another photo of this guy, this time with her, taken on that psychology seminar in Israel, his arms around her waist, a photo of them on a Caribbean beach, where he looks like her father. More photos, seminars, lectures, academic cocktail parties. The most common locale is Evansville. And then, to my horror, both of them at the off-campus apartment with Ben, who doesn't seem happy. I look up. Kevin nods as if acknowledging words fail. He quickly briefs me, summarizing downloads, including Casper's employment record, CV, court records. He's a psychologist, but an academic who never practiced. He taught in Haifa for years and recently moved to Tel Aviv, although he's Catholic. And he just spent a year's sabbatical in Evansville. Kevin says he's originally from Bulgaria. Well, the brown socks and shoes on the beach gave that away, I mutter. Until last year, he lived with his wife and four kids in Haifa. What? I ask. You mean he left a family for her? Kevin shrugs. He left them for someone. I breathe deeply and realize it's a good thing I didn't know about this. There might have been violence. I mean, way back when I cared, like last month. And I can't help asking again, just who is she?